0: Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at firstprezcos.org. Well, good morning, friends. Today we're looking at the Gospel of John, starting in chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 14. I invite you to Turn there with me as we uh, have the privilege of looking at this wonderful scripture together. John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Heavenly father, we thank you for your holy word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the living word and that you are able and ready to speak into the lives that gather here this morning. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would tune our ears to hear your word, but that you would also align our hearts, Father, that we might walk in your ways. For we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Well, good morning. You might be asking yourself this question, why is the worship leader leaving his post and coming out here and giving a a sermon today? And I'm asking the same question. Um, In truth, I texted Tim this morning, and I said, uh, do you want me to wear a robe or or not? And he said, if you feel like it, go for it. And I thought, well, it's the first Sunday of the year, trying new things, let's go for it. But in the beginning, we're talking about beginnings today, and it should be no shock to you that my opening illustration is going to come from the musical side of things, okay? So... (laughs) You know, in music, beginnings matter, don't they? Big Blue. Beginnings matter. Steve, you know this more than anybody. Steve, which by the way, aren't we grateful, is substituting for us while Jim is gone. We're grateful for you. Beginnings matter because at the first drop of the hand, that dictates how the rest of the song is going to go, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Beginnings matter a whole lot in music. Now, in in my life, I have a story for you of how a beginning went poorly and how that really led everybody astray. I'm in Lubbock, Texas. It's the first church that I was serving as a worship leader, very young worship leader, whippersnapper at the time. And it was my first memorial service that I was to play at. And Great is Thy Faithfulness, everybody know the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness? In this this room, I'm sure lots of people know Great is Thy Faithfulness. I, I didn't quite know it that well. So I needed to learn it, and I learned it. I put a lot of time into learning Great Is Thy Faithfulness for this memorial service. And everything was going swimmingly until it came time to lead Great Is Thy Faithfulness. And what happened, don't ask me how this happened, but what happened was my brain went to the words of the chorus of the song, but my the music went to the verse. And Rod, can you imagine that? I mean, imagine what that would do in this place. So I'm singing the words of the chorus, but the music to the verse, and everybody, the scroller in the back was going, What is he doing? <laughs> the whole thing was a mess. I had to stop and start all over. Beginnings really matter, especially in memorial services. But Happy New Year. You are here at the beginning of a new year, and congratulations, your church attendance is now 100%. <laughs> So turn to your neighbor and say, yeah, you're, you're off to a good start. But this time of year is all about beginning well, isn't it? New Year's resolutions are kicking off. Some have already flopped off to the side, I'm sure. School is going to begin soon, if it, if it hasn't already, for many of you, you students. New beginnings are happening all the time. And as John stated earlier, today marks a new beginning of a new year, but the end of our sermon series on hope. My hope is, is built. And if you've been with us during Advent and Christmas, you know that we've been taking a look at hope, claiming that our hope has a name, and it's Jesus. That's our hope. He is the solid rock which upon we stand. And if you were here last week, you heard Pastor Goodale talk about how true hope sustains us even when things get rough. And today, what I want to talk to you about is how our hope isn't just something that sustains us for this temporal life, but is something that sustains us forever, beyond this life that you and I live. We have a hope for eternity. And as we come today, what I want us to think about is this. The kind of God you believe in determines the kind of hope you have the kind of god uh, who you see him to be in your mind determines the kind of hope you have there are different kinds of hope we saw that in the bumper video didn't didn't we we've seen that all all the previous month there's different flavors of hope that shows itself to be like the phrases that were scrolled there and i hope that there are enough trees on the tree uh, lights on the tree that's what that hope kind of comes out to be oh i hope the year goes well out in front of us But the hope that sustains us throughout life and beyond, the hope that your life and my life depends upon, is linked to a belief in who God is. So this is why I'm so grateful that today we're going to be looking at the prologue of John because John goes straight to the character of who Jesus is. And this is what we get to look at today but before we launch into the prologue of john together i want to take a look at the author for just a moment i want to take a look at the apostle john who is john well on one hand we know that john wrote this fourth gospel that we're peering into today but he also wrote first john second john and third john he's all over the new testament he also wrote revelation which is found at the very back of your bible And taking these things into account, we have a lot of gratitude to extend to John because he's responsible for much of our New Testament. But what I also want you to see today is John's proximity to Jesus. John is always close to Jesus. In fact, at the table where later in John 13, we find this scene of what we're celebrating today, John is reclining up next to Jesus. Leaning up against the great I am himself. And when Peter, who's too chicken, I guess, to ask a question at some point, asks John, hey, could you say this to Jesus? Jesus, John leans back and whispers into Jesus, Jesus' ear. That's how close this account is. I want you to realize that these words that we're saying aren't these just these galactic things that some guy just thought it would be a good thing to communicate. No, no, no. This comes from a a man who was whispering into the great I am's ear. And so here he is now after witnessing Christ's life, the miracles, all the crucifixion. He had front row tickets to that and he even had front row tickets of peering into the empty tomb himself. And now he's writing to us and he's saying, I want you so badly to know who this Jesus is. How do I do that? How do I begin? And this is how John begins. In the beginning was the word, verse one. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. In the beginning. Does this sound familiar to you? It sounds like the opening lines of the whole Bible, doesn't it? It's Genesis 1-1. And now, if John was here, I might say to him, you know, John, Genesis 1-1 would have worked, wouldn't it? I mean, that, that's going back pretty far, creation. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a long way away. But John doesn't want to just go there. He wants to say that in the beginning, God created. It needs to go back further. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word here is Jesus. We could go into what Logos means and all that. I'm not going to mess around with all that. But all you need to know is that right here, the word of the Father is Jesus. And John is trying to say to us, Jesus was with God. But not only that, Jesus was God. There's another sermon for another time about the Trinity, but I'm moving on. Verse 3, through him, Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? This pre existent word, Jesus, pre existent, as we stated, is not a creation himself. He is the creator. He himself was not brought into existence, but instead, he brought everything into existence time, even time, the universe, earth, sun, moon, stars. Air, matter, blood, you and me, our lives, everything that exists, exists because of Jesus. And nothing that exists, exists unless Jesus existed it. That's what John is wanting us to notice about this man. And by the way, the list there doesn't merely include things that you and I can see in Colossians 1, 16 to 17, the Apostle Paul writes this for us. For in him, Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Not only that, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. So John now is only three verses in and and already he's painting a pretty galactic picture of who this Jesus is, isn't he? The main point here is that Jesus is the creator of everything, everywhere. And without Jesus, we are without. We don't have anything. Verse four, in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. Light and life life and light these two words are key in John's opening and they would continue to be throughout the remainder of his gospel later down the road and John wants to make sure we don't we don't miss those two words light and life firstly is life that John is talking about he John here is not merely talking about in him was existence that's not what he's looking, looking for. If John wanted to say, in Jesus was existence, he would have used the Greek word bios. Now everybody say bios. bios. Look at that, you're speaking Greek at the beginning of 2020. But that's not the word he chose here. He, he used the word zoe. Now say zoe. zoe. That word means, it refers to the supernatural eternal life that belongs only to God, but that we are able to receive through faith in Him. Eternal life, Zoe. That is what John wants us to be thinking about as we think about this man he's so desperately wanting us to know. 1 John 5, 11 to 12 says this. He would say this in another writing later down the road. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is where? In His Son, whoever has the son has zoe life whoever does not have the son of god does not have zoe life well that sounds pretty clear doesn't it in jesus's life without jesus you don't have it i mean john that sounds a little narrow-minded doesn't it um i mean that aren't there multiple ways for us to be able to get to to god isn't he big enough for us to be able to get get to him through some other way i mean that that sounds pretty particular and and exclusive doesn't it i i wish jesus was here we could just ask him what he might think about that well jesus said in john fourteen six. jesus answered i am the way and the truth and the life No one comes to the Father except through me. It's pretty exclusive. Friends, this is is what I want you to understand about Jesus today. Um, When it comes to who he loves, he's wide open. When it comes to who it is that he loves, he is wide open. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He is wide open with those he loves. But when it comes to how salvation works, when it comes to who it is that brings it, Jesus is very narrow on this. He is very exclusive. That that whosoever would believe in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It's very narrow. It's very exclusive. It's very particular. And you might be asking yourself, God, isn't that mean of Him? I mean, He's so narrow. He can't help it. He's God. (laughs) He can't help it. He's God. And God calls the shots when it comes to our being saved. Secondly, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So we're already talking about life. Now we're talking about light. Now, never in a million years would I have thought of myself as a scientist, and I I still don't. I still don't, but sometimes when you're preparing for a sermon and that's a new thing that you're kind of used to, suddenly you think you're a scientist, and I started researching down a rabbit hole, and you know what? I found some pretty interesting things about light that I just wanted to bring before you here. Bioluminescence. Are you ready? Consider this. There are trillions, not millions or billions, but trillions of cells that make up your body. Just look at your hand for a minute and just think about this. Trillions of cells. In one cell, there is a ton going on. (gasps) A ton. In just the last second, there were over 100,000 chemical reactions that occurred in order for that cell to continue to be a cell. 100,000 chemical reactions. Now, there are these things called biophotons that are in the midst of your cell. And it is this self-emulating light that comes from your cell that allows the cell to be working. And scientists are now believing that these biophotons are to be responsible for the operation of our entire biological system. Wow! Isn't that amazing? Oh, you didn't come here just to get a science lesson, so why am I telling you this? Here's the reason. Light doesn't help ourselves be cells and they don't have life apart from light now consider what jesus said later down the road in john 8:12 when jesus spoke again to the people he said i am the light of the what of the world now that's not just planet earth he's saying but the entire cosmos I am the light of the entire cosmos, not just the light in between yourselves, but the light of the entire universe. That is the light of who Jesus is. And without Jesus, we don't truly have life. We truly don't have eternal life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And whoever follows him will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Friends, the kind of God you believe in determines the kind of hope you have. Can you see the picture that that John is painting for us right now? He wants so badly for you to know who Jesus is, this one that he whispered into. I mean, he is God. He's establishing for this. He is the creator. He is life and he is light. Now, light and life. Does that sound familiar to anybody? It should. Behold. Behold our vision statement of our church, right? Now, while this uh, first Sunday of the year might be a golden opportunity for me to preach through the vision and mission of our church, I'm not going to do that, and and thankfully I haven't (laughs) haven't been asked to do that. Um, That's coming later this month at Vision Sunday, which you've heard about, and we want you to to make sure you come for that. It's going to be really good, and it's important you're there. But I think this is a good opportunity in light of our vision statement And in light of who Jesus says that he is, to say this. Eternal hope for our city is and always will be found in Christ alone. The church simply gets to testify and point to that hope. That's our job. All we get to do is point. It's like what Fred and I were talking at one point... He's the sun, we just get to be the moon. That is our job as a church and nothing more. Tim Keller was in this very room uh, years ago for a Christian life conference. Tim Keller's a a pastor of a a big church up in New York. And um, he was here, and I don't remember the question, but I remember what he said. Tim Keller said, if there are those who come to us looking for hope, and our answer to them is, the institutional church, they will leave burdened. But if they come to us asking to give us the understanding and source of our hope and we give them Jesus, they will be set free. They will be set free. Friends, our aim here at First Pres, yours and mine, see, you're the church, (laughs) it is to testify and point people in the direction of where true hope is found. His light, his light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. If it is merely our light, our best efforts or our energy that comes out in front, it's mere optimism and it will not sustain those who come for real hope. So think about that as you being light and life for the city. You must point to the true source. Now, what I'm about to do here with the next portion of scripture flirts with taking scripture out of context. So beware, no one shoot me here. (laughs) But if you bear with me, I want to to engage your imagination on this point, okay? Um, In this verse that that is before you now, the apostle John is writing about John the Baptist who lived his life as nothing more than a witness to Jesus. But what if John, what if John is looking back upon his life and he sees us as a church and he wants to say something about this church in downtown Colorado Springs. He wants to say something about Fred and Sally and Susan and all the, he's wanting to say something about our lives. Can you imagine what would this look like? There was a church sent from God whose name was First Press. She came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through her all might believe she herself was not the light she came only as a witness to the light friends can you imagine that what are people going to say about us years and years from now what are they going to say what are we going to be here for what is your life going to be here for Can you imagine that? Who in in your life needs the light and life of Jesus right now? It might be someone in your work or your family or in your neighborhood. It might be right here in this room. But I pray for each of us that we might be ready and willing to witness and give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope that you and I both have. I pray for that. Friends, the kind of hope you believe in determines the kind of hope you have. And you know, the kind of Jesus that the Apostle John is painting for us here, man, it's a big one, isn't it? It is a galactically sized one. Before the foundations of earth were established, Jesus was with God. Not only that, Jesus was God. Jesus is creator. Jesus is life. Jesus is light. These are huge, huge galactic sized statements. And we're grateful for them, aren't we? Because honestly, if we are to have true hope, we need a galactically sized God. One of my favorite songs to sing at Christmas time is O Come All Ye Faithful. I'm going to take you back a little bit. And in verse 2, it paints a big picture of who Jesus is. Sing choirs of angels, sing in exultation, sing all ye citizens of heaven above. Glory to God, all glory in the highest. It's big. We sing praise to the holy word of God. But then in verse 3, you've noticed this galactic-sized God suddenly becomes this. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. We go from a galactically, totally not touchable God to someone who takes on flesh and bone and becomes human. What a, what a weird thing for a galactically sized God to do. Why would he do that? You see, Jesus didn't see it proper to leave you and me thinking about him only as a galactically sized God. John 1, 14 says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus took on flesh so that you and I could know him personally and intimately. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but instead he took on the very nature of a sermon and he demonstrated his own love for, this, for us in this, in that while we were yet sinners so very far away, while we had rejected him, there was no room in the inn when he showed up. He died for us. He died for us. And on the third day, he would rise again. So that the hope that I'm bringing before you today is not a temporal one, but it is an eternal one. Friends, I close this sermon today wanting you to remember that the kind of God you believe in determines the kind of hope you have. And I just want to flood you with the character of God. Friends, at the core of your existence, if you find your soul weak or empty and you're hoping to be filled, Look to Jesus who said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. If this new year finds you feeling anxious or afraid and right now of life circumstances or about what could occur in the future and you are hoping for a way out of the darkness, look to Jesus who said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you are here today seeking direction, perhaps you are struggling with just feeling lost and you're hoping for guidance in what's going on today. Look to Jesus who said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. If you come here today feeling attacked and you're hoping for refuge from hardships or protection from evil, look to Jesus who said, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life For this sheep. He laid down his life for you. You are protected. If this world has you feeling disoriented and you find yourself even despairing today and you're hoping for clarity, look to Jesus who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. If right now you're hearing my voice and the final hour is upon you, if the end of your life is drawing near and your time has come. And you're hoping in the promises of eternal life like you've never hoped before. And many of you are listening to this right now, I know, in the hospitals and rehabs that I have visited over the last couple of weeks. If that is you, look to Jesus who said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Friends, if you just don't have the foggiest idea, As to how to even begin. (laughs) Look to Jesus. Because he said, I'm the alpha and the omega. The beginning and the end. Friends, the kind of God you believe in determines the kind of hope you have. And as I close, I'd like to ask you all to now just stand where you are. We're going into the Apostles' Creed. And if you are not a follower of Christ this morning... If this whole thing just seems like a mystery to you, if you're curious to know more or just beginning to step into what this whole Jesus thing is really about, uh, we're, we're so glad you're here today. You're in the right spot, and you've begun well just being here in this room. And if that's the case, I invite you to open your heart and listen to the hope that is about to be declared before you here today by others around you. But now, friends, if you are a Christian, I invite you to affirm what it is that you believe now with every cell of your being. So I ask you, Christians, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks for listening to the First Prez Podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.